How closely should we examine the beliefs of others? How closely should we examine our own? Are the questions posed by critics of Orthodox Christianity even worth considering? What's at stake in these debates? This is David Rimes, and you're listening to episode 14 of Footnotable. Joining me as always is Orrin Carner, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church in beautiful downtown Baton Rouge. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes and give us a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to Footnotable. Orrin, I take it that you're probably a man that can appreciate some progress. I love progress. Right? Love it. The latest medical advancements, yes. the latest uh, you know, automobile technology, mm. you know, driverless cars, all the latest gadget stuff. Absolutely. You know, what the phones are coming out with, Absolutely. things like that. Progress is a pretty good thing, right? It's, it's necessary. Absolutely. I'm wearing an, an insulin pump on my hip right now. It controls my diabetes. And there's a sensor that's attached to my body that talks to this pump that tells me what's wrong when my blood sugar is high or low and tells me what to do about it. That didn't exist 10 years ago. And now it does. And it makes us healthier as type 1 diabetics. And so progress is a wonderful thing when it benefits us in our lives, for sure. But there are some things when progress, at least what is called progress, may not quite be as beneficial as some make it out to be. Absolutely. Sometimes progress looks like it, but in, in reality, it's a, it's a smokescreen. It's a, it's a false kind of progress, for sure. Right. It's like people who try, try to improve on the Seinfeld formula exactly. for sitcoms. Yeah, it's impossible. You cannot do better than what was originally done. And it was a show that was made in its time. It wouldn't work today. For instance, I was watching last night the episode when they all tried to go to the movie theater to mm-hmm. watch Checkmate. Checkmate. And they all ended up in the same theater watching Rochelle, Rochelle. Right. And that's, that situation would never have happened had they had cell phones. But because they didn't in that time, there was total miscommunication. No one knew where the other person was, and it was a total chaotic mess. And it was hilarious. Cell phones would have ruined that show. So it was perfect for its time. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, we finished the finale Actually, oh, wow. a few nights ago. Okay. So you know now to kind of you know sit and contemplate mm-hmm. uh, before starting over again, which well, is the, exactly what you do after you watch the Seinfeld finale. To show how it references real life. The other day, Nate came home and he had been swimming and he had water in his ear, and I told him to do the Kramer. He said, right. "What's that?" I said, "Jump on your leg and hit your head like this." Right. And the water came out of his ear. He's like, "It works." It so works. Like, there you go. It'll do the get Kramer. water out of your ear. That's it right. could potentially crash your plane. Crash your plane. <laughs> But in all seriousness, we talk about progress, and there are some things that we do enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's our society, personally, and I love seeing what is next out there on the horizon. What's being invented? What are people wanting to do? What are people thinking about? But on the other hand, there are certain things that go a lot deeper in our lives Mm -hmm. that are not technologically based that deal with our beliefs, our values, mm-hmm. uh, how we define morals. And that is something where we need to be a little bit more cautious about this whole idea of progress because there are worldviews out there that firmly believe that uh, progress in these areas, beliefs, values, morals, 
how we interact as a society are really up to us as human beings mm-hmm. to define and make improvements and evolve and progress right. as time goes on. And uh, some worldviews, like if you're a humanist, you have this idea that at some point we're, we're basically on track for a utopia, right? Sure, yeah. It's, it's yeah. all going to work out so well out because exactly. we're going to get so tired of all the garbage mm-hmm. and all of... Uh, the war, the disease, that we will just better ourselves, we will progress so much that it's all wonderful for everyone. Absolutely. Everyone. Mm-hmm. That's a nice thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's, I would like it Absolutely. for everyone. I mean, nobody's hungry, yes. nobody's sick, mm-hmm. uh, no one's poor, but there are other factors <laughs> in our lives. Being hungry, sick, or poor has nothing to do with the big questions of life. Right. There are essential questions that have to be answered, but if you just kind of take them at that level, Mm -hmm. you've sort of ignored the fact that, well, maybe we need to understand why we're here. Yeah. Why things are the way they are. I mean, if things need to improve and progress, why are they this way to start Mm -hmm. with? Mm -hmm. Um, And is there a way forward? Is yeah. somebody going to do something about this? Is it left up to us? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at our own Christian faith, we firmly believe that we have what God has revealed to us in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ as the answers to these big questions. Right. They make up our Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we have answers as believers from Scripture that talk about things like um, marriage, that talk about poverty, talk about wealth, that talk about our relationships Mm -hmm. with one another, our relationships with God's creation, Mm -hmm. uh, our relationships with God himself. Just all of that kind of flows from our belief in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And the reality is the Bible is a very old book. Very old. It's a very old book. Yes. And so if I were telling you that I was... Uh, basing my, let's just say, uh, business plan Mm -hmm. on a business book I found at a secondhand bookshop that was published in the 1920s, you would probably tell me I should get some updated advice. Sure. That maybe that was good for 1920, but a lot of time has passed. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things have progressed. Yes. So I shouldn't base my decisions in business on something that is 100 years old. Yeah. People like to make the same argument against Christianity. Mm-hmm. The Bible is an old book. It's antiquated. Mm-hmm. It's another time, another culture. We as people have progressed beyond the societies and cultures that created the Bible, right. so to speak. Right. Therefore, anyone trying to hold the Scripture as as true, authoritative, relevant today, mm-hmm. really is making a foolish choice. Yeah, That's what they would say. Yeah. But in that, people still want to hold on to Christianity, mm-hmm. which I'll be honest, if you want to ditch the book in which Christianity is based on mm-hmm. and still want to hang on to Christianity, I'm really not sure I see the connection it's, there. It's not possible. Um, yeah. But yet people do want to hold on to Christianity. Maybe um, there's certain things they like about 
the teachings, some of the teachings mm -hmm. in Scripture, mm -hmm. some of the teachings of Jesus, but some people would argue that even those are either outdated or grossly misunderstood, mm -hmm. that we need to rethink the teachings of the Bible, rethink the teachings of Jesus in light of our modern-day society mm -hmm. and let modern-day society and new cultural norms, uh, new emphasis on values shape how we read and interpret the Bible. Yeah, and this is a, this has been an ongoing uh, challenge to civilization since the founding of the Christian Church. Even if you go back to the Old Testament, I mean, you mentioned earlier, everybody looks for utopia. Ever since Adam and Eve were cast out of Eden, we've been trying to get back in yeah. and making it ourselves, and we've been woefully incapable of doing that. In fact, God promises that he will bring a new Eden, a new a new heaven, a new earth one day, but it's not here yet. And it seems like every generation comes to a point where they realize, man, this this place got some problems and we want to try to fix it and make it better. And that's not necessarily a bad instinct. The problem is when we take the very book that God's given us and use uses we use to instruct us on how we are to live, uh, things things can be okay. They 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 can work out. But when we take that same book and we start taking the parts out we don't like or we don't agree with because they're antiquated and they're outdated and not relevant anymore, well, now we begin to be the arbiters of our own truth. And so in our modern times, uh, this has been um, escalated in many ways where people read the Bible and they say, okay, I don't like most of this. At least or it, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me how it relates to my world today. So what are the things that do I feel do relate that are relevant and how do we take those principles and apply them to life? How do we take the priorities, particularly of Jesus, and apply them to life, right? Like, why is this relevant for me? And so what's happened over the past, really, century and a half, maybe even longer, um, the high forms of higher criticism of the Bible from, from German schools made their way over to America. And what's happened is the scriptures have been uh, discounted, particularly the, the supernatural aspects of it, the hard-to-believe parts of it have been discounted, and what's been emphasized are the moral teachings of Jesus. Now, I don't think you or I have any problem with the moral teachings of Jesus. In fact, our entire morality should be based upon the teachings of Jesus and in the Word of God as a, as a whole. Um, but we cannot take out parts that we don't like or we don't think are relevant and keep the parts that we think are, are relevant. Now we're just playing, you know, a buffet, basically. You know, pick and choose what's true and what's not. And that becomes a very dangerous process. And so over the past hundred years or so, we've seen not just persons, but entire churches and congregations adopt a much, um, what, what they would say is a much kinder kind of Jesus. That's not just so judgmental. Um, it doesn't draw such hard lines about faith, what faith is and what it isn't. Um, they use words like tolerance and love. And those things are concepts in the Bible that we should embrace, but in the way in which they've been embraced has been very unhealthy for the church. And so uh, I came across a book a few weeks ago um, written by uh, author uh, Michael Kruger. So he's a, a New Testament scholar. This is not to be confused with Kruger, who owns a really defunct uh, polishing yes. and sanding company yes. in Seinfeld. Because yes. I know people listening realize we make a lot of Seinfeld we references. Do, we do make Seinfeld references. They may think that we're making another reference. We're not. This is a real person. Real person. A real scholar, real author, a pastor of a church. Who's far more competent Very than the yes, yes. In, uh in Seinfeld. And he wrote a book called the, what was called the, the, Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. And um, the, the understanding from progressive Christianity is that um, the archaic 
uh, sort of staunch belief in the inerrancy of Scripture and the infallibility of Scripture is something that our grandparents and great-grandparents may have believed. But the world's moved on from that. And what we need is, is a better balanced uh, view of the Scripture and what Jesus taught and try to understand the best way to, to express Jesus' priorities. Well, progressive Christianity has adopted this, this framework, and what Kruger does is he takes the claims of this system and puts them to, to Scripture itself um, and asks some hard questions. And so we started thinking about a way that we can maybe address some of these things. These things have been around for a long time. These, these are not new situations. No. Um, these are really old heresies that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years um, that have been kind of uh, formalized and, uh, and, and sort of brought together in, in a system of belief. Uh, the attempt is to make Christianity more palatable for the, for, for the culture. But what it does is it, it, um, it doesn't express the true nature of Christianity in both believing and in doing. And so what we want to do is walk through these each week, one of these, ten, one of these commandments each week, um, and follow Kruger's book as he critiques the approach to Christianity from this particular worldview. And he's using a book written by a man uh, named uh, Philip Gully. Philip Gully wrote a book a few years ago, and it's called If the Church Were Christian, Rediscovering the Values of Jesus. It's a very intriguing title, right? Yeah. I and mean, I can see what where people would want to right. to dive into that and you know see what what uh, Gully has to say. Absolutely. And his his essential critique is there are so many denominations, there are so many different definitions of what a Christian is that most, if not all, existing churches and denominations have lost the true definition of what Christianity is. And so what he seeks to do in his book is to recapture the priorities of Jesus for the sake of the Christian faith. And in fact, he has some some strong words about the nature of the church in his book. And and basically what he says is that Jesus uh, Jesus didn't really intend to create the church that we did. In fact, he says if Jesus intended to create the church, he did a questionable job. Now, he's not questioning Jesus in the sense that um, Jesus did build the church and he did a bad job. He's saying if he intended to create the church, which he didn't, then he, he did a questionable job. He left no clear directions about its structure or its purpose. Of course, Paul and others will come along later and would define all those things, but Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't raise funds. He told his disciples not to have money for their ministry or to raise money for their ministry. Um, if the disciples were the first board of directors, he says, he chose poorly. In their first major decision, in replacing Judas, they shunned standard business practices and drew lots. And then he goes on to say, but if the church claims Jesus as its founder, it should at least share his values. The question for Christians is whether the church reflects the priorities of Jesus. So you and I would both agree that the church should reflect the priorities of Jesus. Absolutely. There's no question about that, and no one's going to argue that point. And so to introduce the subject today, here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to talk about what we want to accomplish in this, and then talk about what we're hoping not to do in this series, because people can misinterpret or misunderstand what we're hoping to accomplish in this time. Kruger's book is a critique of Gully's book. It's a critique of the claims of progressive Christianity. And what Kruger does is he takes logical and biblical approaches to each of these claims and shows what their logical end would be when we start asking biblical questions about that stance. Now, some would say, well, is right now the best time for this discussion? There's a lot of turmoil in our culture. There's a lot of division and debates and really anger in our culture. And sometimes we can be pushed into camps like conservative and liberal or orthodox and, and, uh, and progressive or whatever it may be. And we begin to put labels on each other and, 
if you say one thing or you say a couple of things, well, this must mean you belong to this camp. And we talked about this last week and right. trying to be charitable and patient with one another. But I think discussions like this, not only about progressive Christianity, but about our own, what I'd say, orthodox Christianity, should be critiqued from time to time. We should be willing to ask hard questions and to see if our beliefs match our behavior or our behavior matches our beliefs, that these things are both um, held up in Scripture as necessary. You believe something and you do something. And we can't put an emphasis on one over the other. They go hand in hand. Um, and so that's our emphasis here. Um, so what we hope to do is examine the claims. Let's drop the labels. We're not going to put labels on this thing. It's not an us versus them mentality. We're not hoping to do that. It's a false dichotomy. It anyway. is, absolutely. We are, we are for everyone. We just want to examine the truth. And if someone's challenging what we've always believed, I want to hear what you have to say. Let's, let's, let's see what, what Gully has to say. Let's see what Kruger has to say about these claims. Um, and, and ask the question, do our, our right beliefs always lead to right behavior? So let, let me ask you a question as we start. To those who hold to what's labeled a conservative view of Scripture, have they always behaved rightly? Oh, absolutely not. No, never. That's never been the case, right? No. Like, there's always been bad examples of people that hold to a very traditional conservative orthodoxy. Oh, we, we talk about it uh, from time to time, the fact that some of the great, what we would call heroes of mm -hmm. our own faith, people who fought um, not necessarily a physical battle, mm -hmm. but a battle of ideas and words over the authority and right interpretation of Scripture, mm -hmm. Sometimes these men were very flawed. Yeah. And we have great heroes of the faith that were slave owners. Mm -hmm. We have great heroes of the faith that we can uh, tell very clearly uh, that hold uh, some ethnic prejudices mm -hmm. against certain groups. Mm -hmm. These were not perfect individuals. Mm -hmm. they, they were just as messed up as we are. Mm -hmm. But yet they understood the truth of Scripture, mm -hmm. they understood what was at stake when it came to the Bible mm -hmm. and our beliefs. But again, like you said, they fell short in some areas as God was no doubt doing a work in their life like he's doing a work in our life. You know, if you look in our closets, you'll, you'll find things too mm -hmm. that probably you'd be uh, shocked and, um, you know, defined. But we all pray that God continues to work on us, mm -hmm. not to make us more like, like we said before, the woke culture of right. the day, but right. to make us more like Jesus yeah. and to reflect what his word teaches. So, yeah, let's, let's not you know, operate under any kind of delusion mm -hmm. that just because you hold to a certain interpretation of Scripture that you at all points have the moral and ethical high ground. Right, exactly. And in, in some cases, those who held to a, a high, high view of Scripture mm -hmm. lose the moral high ground, so to speak, because their behaviors don't always match right. their beliefs. Right. And God, it, God has the moral high ground. Absolutely. He's the only one that holds yeah. the ground. And we're all bowing before Him in one way or another. And so to hold up these, what we call giants of the faith, to a point at which they can't be touched, I think is wrong on our part. Right. Martin Luther was anti-Semitic. It's clear in his writings. He yeah. did not like the Jews. But he wrote some really good things that helped the church. Jonathan Edwards is probably the greatest American thinker in, in, in Christian terms and philosophy yeah. ever. He held slaves. That's, that's a mark on his character. That's a mark on who he was. But it doesn't mean that what he wrote isn't true. And so I, we, what we want to do is be charitable to, to Mr. Gully and say, okay, are these things that you're saying 
things that we actually need to abide by. But we have to ask some questions regarding the things you're saying because we also read the Bible. How do we? Add, how do these things fit together? And and so one of the one of the the things that I want us to be clear about and what we are what we're doing is to address the not Christian enough perspective. So when Mr. Gully looks over the church, he says, okay, they're not acting like Christians the way I read the Bible. Okay, so he's going to redefine a new way to follow Jesus. He's going to tell us what, what he really thinks Christians should be doing. So the man who, who in some ways rejects the dogma of the church is just going to create an, an alternate dogma that we are to follow. That the absolutism of the scriptures before was was unbearable and untenable to the culture. So let's create a new absolutism of a different form. And so you're just falling off the horse on the other side, essentially. Um, what we want to do is stay on the horse. We don't want to. We want to get out of one ditch and end up in the other. We want to be on right. the road. And so here's what we not want to do. We don't want to play us versus them. We don't want to be theological bullies to say we're right, you guys are wrong. Get right or get left, you know. Yeah, this is we would go against what we talked about last exactly. week. Exactly. Because this is really a great opportunity for us to, you know, put our money where our mouth is, exactly. to practice what we preach here. Mm-hmm. How can we approach someone? And in this case, a group of people represented here by Gully, mm-hmm. who have different views that express those views because of very real concerns and questions that they have, yeah. how can we take serious what they're saying, look for the validity of what they're asking, where they're trying to drive the mm-hmm. conversation, and then approach the conversation from our end with grace and charity yeah. while standing firmly on Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so as we go through all ten of these commandments, uh, from the from the the progressive Christianity point of view, to use the the term that that Kruger uses in his title, there, mm-hmm. that's what we aim to do. Mm-hmm. And so we're going we're going to take take serious mm-hmm. when we when we get to Commandment One, we're going to see what Gully puts out there as a alternative mm-hmm. to what Scripture gives us there in Exodus chapter twenty, mm-hmm. and we're going to see okay. Where is he coming from? Yeah. Why does he feel this is a valid point? Uh, is he making some good points in this? Mm-hmm. And how do we then respond to that as yep. Christians who do, do hold to an authoritative position when it comes to Scripture? Absolutely. We want to be charitable. We want to say touche to him whenever he makes good points that criticizes a, a more orthodox view of the Scriptures and say, you know what, you're right. We need to pay attention to this because our behavior has not always reflected our, our beliefs. Um, and so let me let let me read. We're not going to get into the first commandment today. What I want to do is read the ten commandments as we're going to go through them each week. Just these these are just the basically the, the the chapter titles or, or headings. And then what I want us to do is talk a little bit about what's really at stake in the in these conversations. Okay. So first, uh, chapter one addresses this this commandment. Jesus is a model for living more than an object for worship. Okay. The second one. Affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. Number three, the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. Number four, gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Number five, inviting questions is more valuable than supplying answers. Number six, Encouraging the personal search is more important than group uniformity. Number seven, 
meeting actual needs is more important than maintaining institutions. Number eight, peacemaking is more important than power. Number nine, we should care more about love and less about sex. Ten, life in this world is more important than the afterlife. Now just at, at the cursory reading of these, some of the things that he writes here, I would initially say, I agree. Some of them, off the bat, I say, nope, doesn't sound right to me at all. For instance, the last one, life in this world is more important than the afterlife. I don't agree with that. Uh, both are important, but the afterlife is as equally, if not more important, than the life we live here. Um, and, and so some of these things are enticing to me because I want to hear what he has to say sure. and evaluate them based on what I already believe. And if yeah, my, he's, he's thought through these. Sure, absolutely. He's not shooting from the hip no. here. And, and he would not have been at one point considered what's labeled a liberal. He came from a pretty conservative background in theology, but what he, he struggled with was seeing consistency across churches and Christians uh, to match what he sees in the life of Christ with what he saw in the so-called followers of Christ. Let me go ahead, just as before we go on, let our listeners know that if you want to follow along with mm-hmm. us in this discussion and pick up a copy of Michael Kruger's book, The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity, you can go on to Amazon.com and you can pick up a paperback for about eight bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a Kindle, you can pick up one for about four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a cheap book. Uh, it's not a real long or no. difficult read at all. And so we would just like to encourage you that if you want to sort of be a bit of a participant in this discussion mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we have it, uh, you've got a week before we hit commandment number one. Yeah. You've got time to make the order and have the book arrive uh, if, it's, if it's going to be a paperback copy. And you can go through these uh, these chapters mm-hmm. in fairly short order. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and what we want to do is be as fair as we can, but be as honest as we can. Because... Some of these beliefs are really um, undermining the witness of the church. What it, what it does is it often turns Christianity into another activist group, another special interest group, and not salt and light. And that's really relevant for what's going on in our Absolutely. society right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, we oppose racism. Racism is sin. We 100% mm. affirm that. Uh, we do not believe that all people are racist simply because of the color of their skin. If I'm a white man and you accuse me of being racist simply because I'm white, well, that's completely unfair. Um, I may be part of a system that you believe I've contributed to, and maybe I have in some ways. Um, but to automatically assume that of a person before you know anything about them is, is, um, is uncharitable at, at, the be- at best, and it's sinful at worst. And so what we want to do as Christians is deal with social issues according to what the Scriptures teach. And let me be very clear about something, because sometimes this can be confusing for, for folks there are, there's a group of people, and this tends to, to when we see we tend to see this in books like Gullies, is that only the words of Jesus really matter. The rest of the Bible is man's words, man's right. man's attempt to understand God. Whereas let's, let's just focus on the red. Focus letters. on the red letters, and what that fails to to take into account. If you believe Jesus is God, the deity of Christ, then you have to believe that the entire Bible was written by Jesus. It's about Him. In fact, He says that in Luke chapter 24. As he's on the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection, the two disciples he's walking with do not see him for who he is just yet. And then he reveals himself to them. They recognize him as Jesus resurrected. And he begins to tell them how law, the law of Moses and the prophets have to do with him. All of it. All of it. Jesus is the reason for the entire Bible. So it's all red letters. 
everything from Genesis to Revelation, it's Christ revealing to us who he is, which is why we look for Jesus in every text in Scripture. So we do not hold to this this philosophy that, well, let's just get good at the red letter stuff, and then we can deal with the other stuff. Because the other stuff is a an explanation of, an exposition of what Jesus taught us in the scriptures. I'll give a perfect example. Some would say that Jesus commanded us to care for orphans. He did not. There's no clear word of Christ in the red letters that you read in your Bible where he says care for orphans. No, his brother James said that in James chapter 1 verse 27. Now, do we believe that Jesus wants us to care for orphans? Absolutely. Absolutely he does because they're weak and they're helpless, they're poor sometimes, and they need our help as Christians. But the command actually comes from one of the letters, not from one of the Gospels. Um, does Jesus care about whether or not we look at pornography or whether we beat our wives? Of course he does, but he never addressed those things directly. But these are moral issues for my heart, and it does have an effect on my family and my friends and my neighbors. All of these things are interconnected. And so what we can't do is isolate uh, the, the scriptures just to those red letters, and expect that we're going to get the fullest understanding of what Jesus said. There's explanation outside of that that gives us a better understanding of who he is in his book. The entire book is his book. Yeah, the teachings of Jesus is not an improvement right. on what came before. Right. It's a fulfillment. It's a fulfillment of, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and so so when we come to these this issue, and again, we're not picking sides here. We're simply approaching this in search of a truth, okay? What do we believe is at stake in a discussion like this. Like, why do we even have this discussion? Why can't people just go and do the best they can with what they believe and God will sort it all out? Yeah, in live and let live. Yeah, exactly. That may be a, a viable solution for the lost world, but for Christians, we have to work together and we have to have a common um, ground on which we stand. And what I would say is, um, there's probably other things we can talk about here, but I would say that the gospel itself, clarity in the gospel is at stake here if we're not willing to accept what the gospel is in and of itself according to the word of God. There should not be much debate about the gospel. The gospel is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He came and lived the perfect life. He died a substitutionary atonement on the cross for the sake of sinners and was raised on the third day to give life to all who believe in him. That's the gospel. The gospel is for any and everyone. It doesn't isolate. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't pick who it wants. The gospel is for all people, every race, nation, tribe, and tongue. When we make the teachings of Jesus about our moral goodness and not about his glory and his gospel, I think we, 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 we're missing the point. Our morality flows from our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for our sake. And what I think you and I would agree is that we cannot be the moral beings that Jesus made us to be if we don't know him first. I do believe that I would agree with Mr. Gully in that our behaviors should flow out of a heart and a love for Jesus. The question is, why should I ever love Jesus? What, what reason do I have to love Jesus, right? There's some hard questions we have to ask and be able to answer. So I would say that one thing that's at stake here is clarity in what the gospel is for the sake of the lost. All right, you have any other thoughts on, on what may be, may be at stake here? Well, we also have the whole idea of, you know, we can just be good people. Yeah. Um, how morality is defined and where morality rests. Mm -hmm. Does morality as a, as an absolute standard rest with God or does it rest with man or does it rest with anybody at all? Mm -hmm. uh, is it just completely relative? Uh, so who defines that? And if we're going to look at 
the teachings of Jesus and just try to extrapolate the moral aspects of it, mm-hmm. then it fundamentally defines, re- redefines everything mm-hmm. that Jesus stood for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talked about it yourself even yesterday in your sermon. You know, the first sermon Jesus preached was repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And so how can Jesus, who, if he just wants us all to get along, if he just wants us to love and be tolerant, how can he first command us to repent? Repent of what? Mm-hmm. Well, who decides that, Jesus? What, what authority do you have right. to lay out for us some level of morality, goodness, rightness mm-hmm. that we fall short of and therefore have to turn away from mm-hmm. uh, that's essentially what is is happening here and what Jesus is is teaching and preaching mm-hmm. as he begins his earthly ministry and so if we are just going to try and boil it down to Jesus can help you basically be a better human being better version of yourself yeah a yeah. kinder more gentle gentler um, you know more tolerant more mm-hmm. accepting more charitable version of yourself mm-hmm. then we've got a problem with the times that he calls out sin in people. And so this is not about what it means to be a good person. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of good people. Let's just be honest, Warren. I meet good people, and I'm using the the term good here the way we define it in the world, not the way that we define it biblically, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Because even, uh, you know, the Bible itself says none of us are good. Even Jesus won't let people get away with calling him good. You know, when the the man says good teacher, Mm -hmm. he's just like, oh, stop right there, buddy. Man. Why are you calling me good? Only God is good. That should give us so if, much pause. Yeah, if around. you're going to call me good, you must also therefore call me God, mm-hmm. is what Jesus is getting at. Yeah. And so you, to use the secular view of good, meaning that you're nice and neighborly mm-hmm. and you uh, seem to want to uh, be pleasant mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. to others. So I meet a lot of people like that. Yeah. I meet people that have no connection whatsoever to religion, much mm-hmm. less Christianity, uh, who seem to be uh, good husbands, good wives, mm-hmm. uh, raise pretty decent kids. Yeah, um, They are active in their community, um, yeah, helping out where they can help out. Uh, they're charitable. Uh, they take stands on things that I, I would like to take a stand on as well. Uh, we kind of have some shared uh, concerns and, and uh, convictions, although mm-hmm. we come at them from different standpoints. Yeah. But I would say that they're good people, you know, the way the world looks at it. But yeah. is that really what Jesus is getting? Is right. that really what the Bible's getting in? Is right. that is that all there is to it? If there is, well, then why even have the Bible anyway? Why why have the rest of it? It's just it makes the Bible dead weight. If all it's about is being a good person, mm-hmm. let's just have a pamphlet. Yeah, sure. They just contains the teachings of Jesus that we feel are appropriate mm-hmm. for our better self. And we can just ditch the rest of it because the rest of it's irrelevant. Like Thomas Jefferson. The, there <laughs> That's you what go. He did. Two nights in, yeah. the, in the floor of the White House, he cut the Bible into pieces. Yeah. When he was left was about 48 pages of moral teachings in the Bible that he felt were suitable for all people to follow. Yeah. Jesus was the best moral teacher ever. Right. And if we just followed the moral teachings, our society would be a great place. Even maybe in the best place ever, and and you know what? There, to an extent, that might be true. Sure, that might be true. Sure. If you follow the example of Jesus, if 
Yes, 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 yes. yes. I think things would be greatly improved. Absolutely. But the problem is that's only going to get you so far. Because I can be nice to someone. Someone's got their car is broken down, smoke coming out from the hood. Mm -hmm. And I want to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull over. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to, maybe I'm mechanically inclined. I'll try to fix the car. Maybe I'll uh, call a mechanic. I'll call their family for them. Maybe they can borrow my cell phone. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to give them a ride. Mm -hmm. You can do those nice things. Well, what if the person says, oh, can you give me a ride to my aunt's house? She just, she lives a few blocks away. I can get some help there. And you, they get in the car with you. You've, you've been like Jesus. And on the way, all of a sudden, they produce a gun that they've had concealed. Mm-hmm. And they, they commence to carjack you. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, you've got a problem that being like Jesus can't account for. Mm-hmm. You've got a what you perceive as an an act of immorality Mm -hmm. against you Mm -hmm. you're being robbed Mm -hmm. even though you've been charitable Mm -hmm. you are making a moral judgment call on the person with the gun that what they're doing is wrong Mm -hmm. where do you get that if you're just going to be like Jesus if you're just going to be nice and kind Mm What do you do with that? Well, you can't do anything with that, really, because you've jettisoned everything else in the Bible right. that will allow you to, to stand on something firm and authoritative and say, yes, that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Because without that, sure. who says that? Why, why, can't well, I, why can't I pull a gun and just take what I want right. by force? And who are you to tell me that's wrong? And even if you take a completely uh, peaceable, pacifist approach to say, take my car, take all my money. Right. Would you report them then to the police? Exactly. Would you make that report? If and you if, believe that what they did if you, was wrong, if you, you seek do, justice. If you do report them, right. then are you a hypocrite right. now? Because right. Right. the actions of the police will obviously do harm to that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so in all the talk these days about justice in society and justice for the poor and the oppressed and for the black community, for instance, all those things are, are ultimately Christian values. We root that understanding mm-hmm. in the scriptures but how we go about it also reflects the way of christ here's i want to give gully a huge credit here because he writes something in the opening of his book that that i agree with he says we speak of doing our christian duty and by that mean doing what we believe to be virtuous and good apart from any specific belief about jesus whatever the word christianity might have meant at one time it now means to many, many people being nice. So what he's saying is, strip all the labels away. Everybody who was part of an institutional church, the large portion of people attending churches regularly even, have come to define Christianity as being nice. And you and I have just said, we agree with that 100%. Like, that's a problem. Because being nice does not require faith in Jesus. There's a lot right. of nice people in the world who have no regard for Christ whatsoever. I've met a lot of nice Muslims. Absolutely. Who have been incredibly yeah, charitable. Absolutely. So then what? why should Jesus matter at all then? If I can be nice and good without Jesus, why do I need him at all? Yeah, there's no logical connection exactly. as to why you should put yourself under his lordship. Right. So what Gullia hopes to do, and what Kruger does as well, is simply take what... what Gully takes from the scripture and try to make sense of it in our world. How do we live out the priorities of Jesus, even if we must do it within the context of a burdensome institutional church, as he as he says later? Right. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying to flesh out what you believe to be mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You know, go down that path. Yep. 
but they all have implications. What we believe has implications. Mm -hmm. It has to stand up. It has to make sense, number one. Number two, it has to reflect what is true Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. There are certain things that we just cannot deny. We can't have our version of truth that is contrary to what we and others can clearly observe Mm -hmm. to be the case and with integrity hold on to that. So when somebody like Gully is going to put forth the, these, uh, these thoughts and say, here are, better, uh, here are better tenets of a Christian faith mm-hmm. than what we see in historical Orthodox Christianity, he's got every right to explore that, sure. but he has to also understand that as you go down that path, it will lead somewhere. Yes, exactly. Where is it going to lead? And when you get there, does it then still hold up? Right. And so what we are saying from the onset of this discussion is that we firmly believe that as we walk the path that the Bible has laid out for us, Mm -hmm. how the Bible has been historically interpreted and applied to life, Mm -hmm. that when we get to the end of that road, what we believe will stand it will hold up it does make sense of our world it does make sense of all that we see and experience Mm -hmm. and it does provide a reasonable answer Mm -hmm. on how the how life works best according to god's design absolutely and i you know i again to go back to the to the the discussion about being charitable we're we're not going to accuse gully of purposefully seeking to deceive and mislead people he's simply following where his heart and mind took him. He's asking honest questions. He asked honest questions, and he sought to find better answers. And he isolated the text into these certain teachings of Jesus, mm-hmm. and those became the priorities. But there are other teachings of Jesus that he doesn't include. And there's some things that Jesus said that were really hard. He came to bring <laughs> a hard. sword. You know, He yeah. came to bring a sword, right? He said there will be people in the end who will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do great works in your name? And he will say what? Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. There are people who are, or are calling themselves Christians that one day will prove that they're not. Mm-hmm. And that, that's certainly Christ's judgment. He, that's yeah. his, his department. It's not for us to judge, but we must warn people that that judgment is coming. Mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and so we must ask questions of Gully's text. What, what is he writing? And do these things hold up logically? Can they carry me through this journey? Or do they have sort of a termination? And after that, I'm just making, up, making it up as I go. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I don't want to create ghosts that, that don't exist. Right. And say, here, here's some spooky things out there in the world. Oh, no, they're going to they're gonna crush the church. No, no. These things have been around forever. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. And there's nothing new. We just relabeled them and rebrand them as something That's exactly right. Different. Pepsi Clear and Pepsi taste exactly the same. <laughs> they just look different, but they're exactly the same. Right. And so these are not new developments. These are things that people have been seeking to do from the, from the onset of the Christian yeah. church. And the miracle is that the church is still here. We're still here. After all these attacks from within and without, we're still here. God has preserved his people. And so what I would say is, and, and, and God does get into this, and you can tell he has a distaste for the youth, for the institutional church. He feels like it's a hindrance to, uh, to living like Jesus. I have some issues with that, and I would love to, to, to go through and, and critique some of those approaches. But for the sake of the, of the church, for those that are in, in the church already and, and believe what we would call an, an orthodox theology. These teachings do threaten unity. 
if we allow these things to begin to influence how we think and how we feel, it's going to cause us to drift. And, and, and so our unity is at stake if we're not walking together in the same thing. So it doesn't you, mean we have to agree on everything. Both of these. No, exactly. You can't have a, a, a body of believers where one standard is upheld mm-hmm. and another standard is entertained within yep. the same faith community. Absolutely. If, if you do not believe, say, for instance, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters very much, if you come to First Baptist, it's going to be in front of you all the time because we talk about it all the time. We believe it 100%. It is the foundation of yeah. our faith. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you probably won't be happy here for very long. Right. But there probably are some churches out there that you'd be comfortable in because sure. they don't teach the resurrection yeah. of Jesus Christ. Okay, so how do we know who's right here? Somebody has to be right. Someone, someone we can't both be right. One right. of us is wrong. Okay, so where do we go? We've got to go to the text. We've got to go to the scriptures. Let's evaluate yeah. it. Let's understand it for what it is and then make a judgment from, from there. Um, and, and so I think unity of the church is something else that could be at stake if we're not careful. And so my, my, my job as a pastor is to, is to call my people, rebuke my people if necessary, uh, call them to, to repentance, to faith, to believing, for the kingdom of heaven is near, is at hand, as Jesus said. Um, and, and then also to warn them of the things that, that, that do threaten us, that do uh, try to sneak in and kind of cozy up next to us and end up leading us astray, causing us to drift. And this comes from both very, very conservative readings of Scripture and from very progressive or liberal readings of Scripture. We are in danger of both. We have to be very careful. Right. And so that's what I want to do. And let me just say for all clarity here, doubt can be very good. Yeah, doubt's not the enemy of faith. Absolutely. It causes us to ask questions. I mean, read the Psalms for goodness sake. The psalmist, David especially, called out to God. And sometimes you sense this doubt in his heart, this this fear that something was going to come upon him. He was going to be overwhelmed by his mm-hmm. enemies. He's, he's angry. He's tired. He says, I soak my bed with tears. I mean, David is struggling in many of these psalms, and yet God brings him through into the light. We can learn from that. We can ask good and, and hard questions about what we're reading in the Scriptures, yeah. but if we're faithful to the text itself, well, God's going to lead us to a better place where we have some more confidence. And so what we want, as I wrote down here, is we want confidence without arrogance. We don't want to be those those jerky theologians who just point at everybody. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. That's not who we are. That's not what we're going to be. No. And and you can't you can't operate like that well in this world. Right. You know, because we're doing basically what others uh, what we're accusing them of doing. Exactly. We're drawing a very tight circle around ourselves. Mm-hmm. Where only you know me myself and I right. can exactly. be yeah, sure. can be correct, mm-hmm. and we're pointing fingers at those that are taking a, a, a similarly mm-hmm. um, similar stance on what they believe mm-hmm. where they're just they're very they're very dogmatic about it mm-hmm. they've got a tight circle drawn around them they're right mm-hmm. and everybody else is wrong and it gets to be this big yelling match and yeah. there's no dialogue mm-hmm. because look people ask questions for a good reason mm-hmm. absolutely and ask your questions but you must also provide valid reasonable answers Amen. and we want to accept the answers as they come right. from, from the scriptures i'm not speaking on my own authority i'm speaking from the authority of right. the word of god i'm not interested in people hearing my opinion my opinions hadn't saved the soul the only the only way we can be helped is by trusting in jesus so what's really interesting about the text you, you mentioned earlier the first sermon of jesus repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand we are kingdom people and, right. ki- and the kingdom is both believing and doing right well what connects repenting to the doing is the believing, right? Mm-hmm. We repent of our sin, 
and we become kingdom people by turning to Jesus, well, that bridge is the believing. And we are always believing something about the text, about the scriptures. Right. Those things are what hold us together and propel us forward as Christians. And so in no way do I believe that those who hold to a, an orthodox Christian view have always been right. They've been wrong about some things. But I also sure. believe this progressive version of Christianity is wrong about some things as well. And so it's okay for us to critique them so long as we do it in the spirit of kindness and love and grace and to be willing to be critiqued ourselves and listen to that and go, okay, maybe you have a point there. I need to correct that, you know? Um, and, and so I want us to be gracious and kind, but I want us to stand on what the truth of the word says. And um, I think that's the best way forward. I mentioned to you earlier today, we we're talking a little bit about um, what are referred to as mainline churches. And these churches embrace the very progressive version of understanding mm-hmm. the scriptures. And what we've seen over the last 30, 40 years is a steep decline in their attendance. And the, the group that was supposed to be the most tolerant and the most accepting and, 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 and the and most... This was going to be a new wave yeah, of Christianity. The most like Jesus. People are have just not gone back. They've The generation of the first generation of them have kind of passed away and people haven't returned. And the reason is, is because large part of the person standing in the pulpits preaching don't seem to be convicted about much at all. Right. They seem to have good ideas but they don't seem to be convinced of anything. And that's that's dangerous, you know? Um, the person preaching, teaching, has to believe in what they're saying. You're not saved by what I say, in, in my own words. You're saved by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. But if the preacher, if the teacher is not confident in that, it, it can it can hurt the church. And we've seen a steep decline in mainline churches for a very long time. And, and so that's one of the signs that it, it ultimately doesn't have a staying power. But if we can approach orthodoxy with the right spirit, the right Christ likeness, I think mm. it has power to save lives and transform transform them forever. So, um, th- this is our this is our hope that this is a good discussion, if nothing more. And hopefully, if someone's listening to this and they have more questions, we're more than happy to entertain them. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're more than happy to have conversations about some of these things. Yeah, we've never really put that out there, but the reason why we uh, include our um, social media. Uh, accounts mm-hmm. there at the end of the show and, and put them in the show notes is as though you can reach out and connect with us and questions are welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Questions are welcome um, on the topics that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to flatter us. No, you are welcome to offer a critique because that's part of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not here just to hear ourselves talk and be patted on the back. Right. We're here to have a good discussion. And look, it's just you and I in the studio. So yeah. obviously the whole point of what we're doing is to put out there to be a voice yeah. of what God's word speaks. Yes. So we're not making any bones about that. Right, right. We are coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But questions, doubts, critiques are very much welcome. You can send those to us. You can do a direct message. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, even if you want to send an email, you've got a question, you can do it uh, to hello at fbcbr.com. Yeah. Uh, if there are issues, topics that maybe you've been struggling with, wanting to know uh, how do I properly understand this, mm-hmm. um, look, we're always looking for show ideas. Yeah. And so you can submit those as well. We can't always get around to everything. Mm-hmm. But if you've got something and you want us to take a look at it and offer a, a discussion on that from Scripture, mm-hmm. we're happy to, to entertain those. Yeah. So this is um, podcasting is kind of a largely a one-way communication yeah, it event. Is. It is. But 
the same technology that allows us to sit here and make this broadcast available also allows us to receive mm-hmm. comments, questions, and critiques Absolutely. about what we're doing. So yeah. just know uh, we're not we're not hiding in a studio right. from uh, what you may want to uh, to say to us or ask of us. Please just know. That's available. Yeah. We really mean it. Absolutely. If we can answer your question, we'll try to find a way to. We'll find someone that sure. can, for sure. So as we close, let me just repeat the two books. Um, the first uh, we mentioned is If the Church Were Christian, written by Philip Gully. And then uh, the critique of that book, Michael Kruger, um, his book is called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. And so if y'all want to get those books and read along with us, you certainly are welcome to do that. Um, and uh, we'll be we'll be tackling the first commandment next week, and uh, God willing, we'll get through all ten of them over the next ten weeks. If something comes up and we need to take a, a detour from that, we 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 will. Um, with the, the rapidly uh, changing nature of our society these days, we may have to pause and address some social issues, maybe that are that are going on around us. Um, that is uh, probably uh, a certainty, probably in the next ten weeks. Um, and so there are lot lots of things to talk about. I feel like these are good points of discussion. That's all we want to do is have a good discussion. So. Pick up the books, join join with us in this reading. I think it'll be beneficial for you. That's all for this episode. Thanks again for listening. You can keep up with Foot Notable on social media through the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts of First Baptist Church Baton Rouge. You can find all three at username FBCBR or on our website at FBCBR.com If you want to connect with Oren and myself on social media, our individual information is listed in the show notes. Know that our prayers are with you. Stay healthy and we'll talk to you again next week.